1: Turn with me in your Bibles this evening to 2 Chronicles chapter 29, that's 2 Chronicles chapter 29, and give me an amen once you are there. And so, Father, again we come before you with thanksgiving and praise. Praise to you for all that you've done and all that you're doing in our lives. Thank you for having mercy upon us, Lord, by giving us your Son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sins. And on the third day, you raised him from the dead for our justification. And he's at your right hand, even now praying for us. Lord, you've given us your Holy Spirit, who is our counselor, who guides us, who teaches us and leads us into all truth. Holy Spirit, God, we pray that you would lead us into all truths tonight. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. King Hezekiah is now on the throne of Judah in chapter 29. It says here that Hezekiah became king when he was 25 years old, and he reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Abijah, the daughter of Zechariah, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord according to all that his father David had done. And so King Hezekiah is one of the good, honorable kings of Judah. He's one of the good ones, guys. Uh, in fact, we're told in 2 Kings uh, chapter 18 that he trusted in the Lord uh, God of Israel so that after him there was none like him among all the kings of Judah nor who were before him. For he held fast to the Lord He did not depart from following him, but kept his commandments, which the Lord had commanded Moses. The Lord was with him and he prospered wherever he went and he rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. And so Hezekiah is one of the good kings, one of the great ones, as we just read. He's an amazing man of God. And the interesting thing about Hezekiah is that he did all this. He would reform and turn the country around back to God. He would do all this being the son of King Ahaz, who, as we know, was one of the most wicked kings that Judah ever had. His father was so wicked that he burned Hezekiah's brother in the fires for the pagan gods. He offered Uh, his own brothers right that's what his that's how wicked his father was but yet hezekiah by the grace of god decided that he was going to live a different life that as a king he was going to honor the lord as god unlike his father now he would reign for 29 years but but historians believe that he reigned for 14 years as a co-regent to his father So he was alongside his wicked father for 14 years as a co regent you know, co-leader, if you will, co-king. And yet in all that, he chose to do what was right in the sight of the Lord. And this is a reminder for all of us who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. But it's also maybe a new, fresh, you know, understanding to the heart of God for those who don't know God. For those who are watching, for those who are uh, will be listening to this on the radio, who may not know the heart of God, but the heart of God is that every person gets to choose for themselves what they want to do with their life, no matter how bad their parents may or may not have been. In this case, he had the most wicked father, but yet he chose to live a different life. We are told that if we put our faith in Jesus Christ, that we become a new creation, that old things have passed away, that behold, all things have become new. We are no longer bound to the sins of our past. We are no longer bound to the sins of our fathers. By God's grace, if we cry out to him, each of us has a choice of how he or she wants to live. He gives everyone that wonderful opportunity to have a new life, a different life, a life of blessing, a life of holiness, a life of joy, joy of the salvation that Jesus provides, joy from our sins that we're no longer bound to our sins. It's a beautiful thing. It's a Christian reality that we don't have to live uh, the way we used to live, and we don't have to uh, be bound by the memories or the sins of our fathers. Each of us gets to live a new life. The question is, are we living a new life in Christ? Or are we still bound to the past sins? Letting the devil remind us of our past, we ought to remind him of his future, That is, it is short. God has redeemed us, has forgiven us of all of our sins. And it's especially wonderful for those who come from bad homes. You know, the enemy lies to people. The enemy, you know, deceives people into thinking they'll never be good enough for a loving God to accept them. But the truth is, is that God will accept anyone. He loves you. He loves me. He will accept anyone who will call upon his name and is willing to change their life. He will accept. He will change. He will give a new life. Hezekiah, he chose to do that very thing. And I think that we should live as if we're new creatures. We should live like we have everything before us and no longer bound by attitudes of our past or failures of our past. They they shouldn't have a grip on us anymore. We should... Wake up every day with a clean slate and a new start that today God is molding and shaping me to be more like Him. And it's a beautiful thing. And we should encourage that in one another to be merciful. Forget the sins of yesterday. Move forward. In fact, Paul would say to the Philippian church in chapter 3, verse 13 through 14, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So one thing that I do do, Paul says, and I forget, forgetting the things that are behind me and I'm reaching forward to those things which are ahead, which is Christ. We must allow, you know, evidence to, to manifest in our life that we're moving forward, that we're growing more joy, more love, more grace, more faith, more hope, more love, more focus on the Lord. And I just can't say enough about this guy, King Hezekiah, with all of that negative example in his life. The moment his father died, look at what this guy did. In verse 3, it says that in the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and repaired them. Then he brought in the priests and the Levites and gathered them in the east square and said to them, Hear me, Levites, now sanctify yourselves. Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out the rubbish from the holy place. And so he immediately gets to work guys his his father dies so in the first month of the first year of his reign he repairs the doors of the house of the lord that his father had nailed shut had destroyed them and forbid people from going into the house of the lord hezekiah didn't hesitate that kind of (laughs) rhymes hezekiah didn't hesitate he got things done immediately and I have learned in the Christian walk that changes can either come slow or they can come more rapidly. We want God's promises and blessings uh, as soon as possible to come into our lives. But there's lessons to be learned around uh, along the way and God speaks to us of changes that we have to make. And there are some who procrastinate. There are some... Who, who hesitate and who don't make the changes that God has clearly spoken to your heart and to my heart that we need to make. Changes that will draw us closer to him. Changes that will help us enjoy the Christian, Christian experience better. And there are many who hear from God and then don't make the changes. Many, guys. Sermons go in one ear and out the other. Sometimes they come in, they stay in the heart for a little bit, and then it's just gone, like Satan snatches it away or the cares of this life. But for those of us who love God, Hezekiah presents a wonderful example that if there's a change God has placed in your heart that you and I need to make that will draw us closer to him, make it as soon as possible. Make it today, and you'll be able to see the fruit of God's blessings in your life. But like I said, if we hesitate, if we procrastinate, then the blessings seem to stall up. They seem to pull over on the side of the road and wait for us to make the decision to make the changes that we need to make. How is God speaking to you concerning parenting, changes you want to make with your kids, or in your marriage, changes you want to make with your spouse? Is God speaking to you? He speaks to me. I'm convicted so much with Hezekiah's actions, how quick they are, how quick he was to just get things moving in the right direction. And I read to you that God prospered him. Why did God prosper him? Because he chose to do right in the sight of the Lord. And when God said to jump, Hezekiah said, yes, Lord, how high right now, here I go. You know, and God is looking for us to say, here I am and here I will go. I will do the changes that you want me to make. And that's really boils down to change, repentance, whatever you want to call it, right? Like we've really been blessed by God. So we're going to make the changes. We're not going to wait next week. We're not going to wait next month. We're not going to wait next year. Today is the day of change. And in fact, when we, you know, when we cry out, for people to give their lives to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior for the first time. When we cry out in in our services, we cry out because we know the importance of the decision. The greatest decision a person will ever make is whether or not they will accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior or reject Him. And many will not reject them by words, they'll just reject them by ignoring the call of salvation. And either they give their life to Jesus Christ and put their trust in Him and follow Him and show those fruits, or they are going to burn in eternity. Where Jesus said the worm does not die and the, and, and, you know, the fire is not quenched and where there's, you know, gnashing of the teeth. That's why we cry out. And in Isaiah, and it's quoted by Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That is the truth. And maybe that's why Hezekiah pushed it so fast. The whole nation was worshiping Satan. The whole nation was, had lost their minds with their abortions and with their, their, uh, homosexuality and all the sins they were doing turned from the living God. And the quickest way to get things turned around was to do it immediately. Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day of reforms. Jonathan Edwards, a Puritan preacher, said this concerning the day of salvation. And and getting and making that decision and getting things right on that day. He said, and let everyone that is yet out of Christ. Let everyone who is yet out of Christ. That means they don't know Christ. And let everyone that is yet out of Christ and hanging over the pit of hell, whether they be old men and women or middle-aged or young people, hearken to the loud calls of God's word and providence. This acceptable year of the Lord, a day of such great favor to some, will doubtless be a day of as remarkable vengeance to others. If a person accepts Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they are saved from the pit of hell. It is the greatest day of their life And they may not even know it. But in the same way, those who reject the call, the providential call, they've been invited to church, they've been invited to an outreach, they hear the gospel, they reject it. It is the worst day of their life. Now, reforms for those of us who know Jesus. And he's been saying, change some things about your life. If we keep putting it on the back burner, on the bookshelf, we, you know, there's a reason why there's drama that's unnecessary. And it's because we're not his slaves. We're still living for ourselves. Jesus is just a part of the pie. Bless me, but I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And there's many who live that way. Hezekiah, In the first year of his reign, in the first month, he opened the doors of the house of the Lord and he repaired them. I think these verses of, of, uh, you know, Judah repairing the temple of the the Lord is always going to be applicable to us now that we have our own church building, right? The guys are out there working on the shed tonight. They're in here, you know, with us tonight. But it's beautiful that we get to like practically... Make this place look better, feel better, smell better, look better, all hands on deck, because this is the house that God has given us. It, it's the same application to King Hezekiah and the, and the, uh, kingdom of Judah. They have a temple. God expects it to be clean. The doors should be open. The doors should be, you know, the temple should be repaired. And that's what he's doing. And so think about that as this is, your home church for some from for most of you here that you know pray about how you can bless this place it takes a lot of hands to make it uh, uh stay uh, uh upkept and and so because we want the doors of the house of the Lord to be open and it says here then he brought in the priests and the levites and he gathered them in the east square and said to them hear me levites now sanctify yourselves Sanctify the house of the Lord God of your fathers and carry out rubbish from the holy place. This is a beautiful thing. You have a king who's not a priest. He's not a Levite, But yet he's, he's getting the spiritual guys together on the, the east gate or whatever, courtyard. And he's speaking truth to them. How beautiful is that, right? It's almost like a picture of the body of Christ that we all have different functions, but we're all part of the same body and all of us can encourage one another. As the sheepdog for Sweet Hills, myself, the pastor, I get, you know, edified by you guys all the time and encouraged by, by you guys all the time. Just the way Hezekiah is encouraging the Levites and the priests. Man, I get encouraged all the time. You got to be around to encourage people though, right? You can't encourage anybody if you don't come to church or if you come once every blue moon. And church isn't a religious thing the way we used to see it before we got saved. We understand that this is a family and we encourage one another. So he's encouraging the priests and the Levites and he says to them to sanctify themselves, right? It means sanctify means to set yourself aside for holy use. And you know what, you know what, we get encouraged by the word to sanctify ourselves, but it's up to you to sanctify yourself. And a mature Christian knows how to sanctify themselves. How do we sanctify ourselves? We get on our knees before God, and no one else sees us but God. We are just in prayer. Number one, to sanctify, you want to be cleansed, you want to be used You want to. You want to be. He says, "Cleanse yourself and then cleanse the house of the Lord." Right? You can't cleanse the house of the Lord if we're not, you know, where we need to be. But you do that. You sanctify yourself by being in prayer. Serious prayer. Prayer that changes you and me. That kind of prayer, not prayer that oh, check the box and I go do my thing again. How many Christians, check the box, I said a, a quick prayer, rubber dub dub, thanks for the grub. People live that way, guys. There isn't a thought in our minds sometimes as, what is your will for my life? How can you, why do you want cl- to, what do you want to do with me? To, this is your day. To be sanctified is to spend that time. We've all failed in doing so, but today's a new day. And we just get on our knees before God. We pray, and you get strong that way. And if you're not strong after that, and you don't want to do God's will after that, then go back and try it again. As they say, you know, re-rinse and do it again. The answer to everything is time with Jesus in prayer. We get get cleansed. We get strength. There's no excuse other than we're not sanctifying ourselves in prayer. We're not. And if we're not, then it's going to look like no activity. That's what it looks like. No activity, no excitement, no joy, no enthusiasm. It's just always, you know what I mean? I don't want to be that brother. You know, sisters, you don't want to be that sister. It's always like, you know, woe is me. When are we going to get over these things, you know, and move on to more mature things? Like I'm super blessed and I don't have, and it doesn't have nothing to do with my bank account or my circumstances. I'm super blessed because I spent time sanctifying myself before the Lord in prayer. And I know everything's going to be all right. Everything's going to be 10 times, 100 million times better. Because I spent time with the Lord. It has nothing to do with the changing of my circumstances. It's that my eyes are focused on God. Sanctify yourselves. And obviously we pick up the word of God, but for what? Again, to check a box? Or to sit there and really just, what do you have to say to me? And, And Christianity, it just takes a long time. To get in the spirit, it takes time. We have to make the time because we make the time for everything else but being sanctified by God. God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. God hasn't called us to be in bondage to any person. He's definitely not called us to be in bondage to Satan. He hasn't called us to be in bondage because of our circumstances. You notice that when we don't spend that sanctifying, praying time with God, how our problems become the biggest thing that ever happened to us? And then what happens? We get before the Lord and we're just like, forgive me, God. Forgive me. It was just huge because I didn't didn't come before you and sanctify myself. But then you get sanctified and then you come into the house of the Lord charging. And the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is love. Not fake love, not half love. Sincere love, pure love. You come in here and you're just like, man, filled with love and excitement, and joy, and mercy, and truth, and kindness, and that's just what I want for myself. I want to be sanctified at home, so that, and I hear the word of God say, now go clean the the, the, the church. All of us, same thing, get, get, your home is your palace that God gave you. Man, make that into a wonderful church of, 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 of an expression of your God, our God. Make your home, you know, that's what it's supposed to be. Get strong there. That's what home is. And and then come into his house. I was thinking about, you know, the Lord never had his own home, right? Oh, he did as a kid. But you know what I mean. He had nowhere to lay his head. What did he say? Uh, Foxes have holes, birds in the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. He also didn't have a cell phone. Because you can imagine, everybody would have been blowing him up. He would never rest. You get that? Okay, what if he lived right there?
0: Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you would like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweetheals.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills. Please.